you need to see this company as a big vessel and you're just one screw in this vessel. You know, we are particularly fond of this one screw, but if this screw will not function anymore, we will replace it, put another screw in, and we will not think about it for another day. Welcome to A Slice of SaaS, your go-to resource for insights on SaaS revenue operations. Today, we're joined by Elif Smith, who is the CEO of Oxide, and she'll be sharing her journey of steering a fintech SaaS company through challenging economics waters while keeping a sharp focus on customer-centric product development. In our discussion, we'll discuss how Oxide harnessed customer feedback to streamline their offering and the strategic shift they made to rebound from a slow start at the beginning of the year. Prepare to walk away with a ton of actionable strategies and a fresh perspective on driving growth and sustainability in your SaaS venture. So let's get started. So Elif, a lot of SaaS companies had had a quite, I would say like rocky start of 2023. Um, and even though like things have kind of started to, I think, pick up pace again for a lot of companies, it's been quite tough. And I don't think that based on what you told me before that you guys have been excluded from that trend it was a pretty rocky start of the year, but you actually ended up having a really strong uh, September. Uh, that was the last time we kind of had a good uh, conversation about this episode. Uh, so it would be really interesting to hear about kind of how you approach that whole kind of, how to say, like turnaround, I guess, operation from having a really bad start to the year. What kind of actions and decisions that you took along the way there and just sharing a bit of, uh, of that journey up and until today. So how did that everything start like in the beginning of the year? Maybe we should go back there. Yeah. So, you know, we're Oxid is a, is a fintech SaaS solution and we're selling mainly to um, financial people, CFOs, controllers and accounting agencies, personnel, sometimes CEOs or owners. But the main, main ICP is, is a CFO or an accounting agent. So, you know, and, and as you could probably know, our, our biggest, our, our best, our best time of the year is not, you know, Q1, but actually the year before we had quite a good Q1, but I think in the beginning of this year, 2023, a very few people in that position was very trigger happy in buying new software or acquiring, you know, acquiring new costs to the company since the budget was so very uncertain times. So I think a lot of the, our, our core audience didn't want to make any type of purchases. And a lot of companies we saw also has already purchased a lot of uh, software and you know sometimes companies get really good benefits from them and sometimes they do not so i think it, it, it it's much it's more it's a more difficult climate now than it was before so we kind of felt that very early and then you know a few months in you kind of say you know it's going to turn now it's going to turn now and then after you know march april you're, you're okay okay it's not turning now we really need to kind of dig down and to understand why this is happening so yeah it was a very difficult uh, start to the year for, for us as well we're still growing but not not in those in those numbers that we were that we had budgeted for so that was that was a challenge yeah i think i read something of people saying that the golden year of SaaS is over you know 2023 things are going a bit back to normal in yeah. terms of uh you know not just having a tool for everything. Yeah, and so, I think yeah, it's also, we, you know, the adoption rate within a company, no matter what kind of software solution you source solution you buy, you know, you need to make sure that people get onboarded to get the full value. So I think, and especially with our uh, ICP, they kind of, you know, were a bit more hesitant, I would say, in the beginning of the year. And then we saw that they really started purchasing again, uh, starting from September. So what is by what is your kind of go to market strategy there? Is it very kind of uh, like sales driven? Is it product driven, or how do you go about actually um, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's sales and um, partner driven, I would say. So we go uh, direct channels with both inbound and outbound. Inbound has an extremely high uh, conversion rate on. And uh, then we go through partners because we partner up with accounting agencies and banks. But generally speaking, we have a quite a transactional sales with over 1,300 uh, direct customers uh, serving 15,000 uh, organizational numbers in Sweden at the moment. Yeah, is Sweden or I guess like with this kind of software, it's uh, typically more like local uh, a lot of the time. Mm, yeah, All the local right now it's Sweden, but yep. yeah, let's see in the future. But right now it's just Sweden. Cool. So going back to the beginning of the year, well, like what was the first kind of things and signals that you saw that things was kind of slowing down? Was it kind of, you know, people didn't sign up? Was it churn or what was kind of, what was going on that made you get a little bit kind of worried? Yeah, no, I mean, I think all of our metrics kind of went down at the same time. You know, you saw both that we were, our incoming leads wasn't as high. The, you know, we had more no-shows in the meetings. We also saw the conversion rate. We have quite high conversion rate in the, in our meetings to a second meeting and then uh, covered from there. And we saw all of those numbers almost halving. So it was kind of a drop off in, in the whole cycle. So I think one of the, so three things is what we started to do. So one thing is of course to, really look at all of our processes when we, you know, how we land the customers to kind of look at that. And then of course, to really see the data uh, to see what, what, what is happening right now? Why is this happening to be able to get the basis and kind of really understand the situation? That's where we ended up being in, in Q2. And we also, during the same time, we made sure to really understand why our customers, the ones that were staying, why were they staying? So we're trying to really uh, drill down into that. And that's why we did a lot of new, uh, we launched, we were able to really work hard during the, during the spring to be able to launch very good, nice features uh, in the fall. And we also do the, did a UI UX uh, work that was launched in April as well that, you know, it doesn't really add ARR, but, you know, you have to see that as a long-term investment. But that was, of course, quite difficult since there was no new launches for a very long period of time. But that was, a, that was an investment that we needed to do. And then I think another thing, another change that we did then when we felt that it was a tougher climate was that the people in the in the management team that works with operations, you know, like partner, uh, sales, CS, CS, and then also marketing and including me, we kind of, you know, decided we clear our schedules and make sure that we that we put 75, 80% of our time to things that, are, that will actually generate ARR and kind of put those long-term strategic things uh, on hold to make sure that we put the time where it needed to be put in and support the organization in, into this turnaround, so to speak. So you mentioned a few interesting things there, like like the, you had some kind of new features and product launches and you went into kind of, uh, you know, get stuff done uh, and, and sales mode, I guess, a little bit. So so that initial initiative there, like the new product launches and updates and things like that, was that something that was planned before or was that an initiative, like, initiative that happened you know, because of, of the changes you saw? Yeah, so it was actually two parts of that. The first part was that I was uh, I did another project last fall, which I was very grateful for uh, actually this year. So what we did is that we, together with a consultancy company, we, me myself, this our uh, CMO and our COO, we actually called and interviewed over 120 CFOs that were not our customers. And what we did was kind of interview them within this space and trying to pin down what is 
what is your core problem and what is the thing that you would appreciate the most? What kind of problems would you appreciate the most to, to get solved? You know, and you had to rate those different statements to one to five. And you only we only took the fives and really understand what is your core problem uh, as a CFO. And then, so from that, it was, that was that was planned to really lay the foundations of our future product launches to really make sure that we cannot have just something that is a nice to have. We need to have something that is a must have that really solves your problem. Something that would not get canceled if it's tougher times, probably the opposite even. So that was something that we did that we really found some, some very good findings that are... Um, Instead of doing, you know, the smorgasbord where you can use, you know, we have this and this and this and this and that. No, what is the core thing you need help with? And and for our ICP, it was uh, they really need uh, really need help with reporting. They want to eliminate the risk for fault, and they want to find ability to save costs. So those were the key things, and there were things that we were, you know, we kind of did it, but we didn't push it. And with reporting, we are really really good, but on the other things, we wasn't really showing how our system helped them eliminate risk for faults when using Excel or using something else. And we didn't really, we had a cost reduction uh, analysis, but we haven't really pushed any, put any real effort into that part of our, our software for the last years. So that was something that we really started pushing much harder and it, then it kind of became much more comfortable in knowing what product we should launch first. So that was the first part. Um, the second part was that we took the decision to, uh, based on this, the the outcome from this from this interview or this analysis, we also needed to kind of redefine who we were to be able to communicate in a much more direct way, and also make sure that we kind of stand apart from the competition. So I wanted to bring a little bit more fun, a little bit more flair, and a little bit more something, you know, you smile about. So we got the, we got the feedback saying that, you know, you kind of treat your customers as they are boring people. <laughs> and I think it's, it was quite true. You know, you work in the fintech sauce and, you know, it's just see folks. No one want to be boring, I guess, even if they exactly. are. Not like, no yeah. one want to feel like they're boring. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then we kind of did this whole, we invested in another firm that helped us with strategically looking at who we are and what should our main message be. And then we kind of put some fun into that. So those two things, we did those investments. That was, of course, it took a lot of time and cost money. But after a while, we've never been as secure as we are of who we are, our, our, our identity as a company and where we're going. Um, so we did yeah. those two things. And I really like that the kind of problem focus uh, and actually drilling down. And I think it's quite rare to spend like, that much time yet like, interviewing people and like really working hard to understand. I think that's kind of a big mistake that a lot of companies do that they kind of, they do the boardroom personas mm -hmm. and yeah. the boardroom ICP and problem statement, yeah. but they never actually talk to customers. Yeah. Uh, so actually doing that, I think it's, um, it's super, super important, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And it was like during the fall, I was of course busy as I'm, as I always am. And I was like, I don't want to do this. But then when you started talking to customers and they say, you cannot outsource this because you need to hear it. You need to hear them describing their problems themselves. And no one can ask better questions than me, follow-up questions to really drill down to what the problem is. So yeah, it was, it was taking a lot of time, but now after that project, it's, it's been a very good, very good investment for us as a, as a company. Have it changed anything like long term, like for you in terms of like how you're approaching? Like, is this something that you're planning on kind of integrating more into some kind of ongoing thing or? Yes, because we understood 
the main problems that our customers are having, what is what they need, what is the most urgent for them on top and where it gets hit the most. Like if you're a CFO and go into a boardroom, you know, you're not allowed to be wrong. Like you're the last person that should be wrong. Like a salesperson can be wrong, a CEO can be wrong, a CMO can, but a financial person. So that was a core thing to make sure that we can support you of, you know, decreasing the risk that there is something fault in anywhere. You also, we also need to support them in, in finding, you know, ways for them to really save time in the, in the boring things that they need to do to be able, so they can actually put more time on analysis and making decisions and making recommendations and coming and presenting to the board or the, the management team of things uh, that can get changed or improved, but then that needs to be supported by good data. So that was the thing that we really understand. How can we be a better, how can our system more support our ICPs and solve their highest rated problems, so to speak? Did you remove anything? Like, because I feel like a lot, you know, you see a lot of tools they are just adding more things all the time, even things like Slack and stuff like, like, oh, let's have a to-do list and let's have this and that. And in the end, it goes away from that super easy and intuitive tool to just a big thing with a lot of stuff that it adds on. So... Did you do that or like, did you just add? I, I, I think I, I want to say that we removed something. We didn't really remove something. We actually, I actually took away one part that we're going to relaunch now in uh, Q1 2024 because I knew that we can do it much, much better. So I want to, so I actually removed that part from, from our system. But yeah, so we did, we have done two new product launches this fall that I was very proud of because they've been, I think, game changers uh, and hopefully will be game changers. It, quite early still, but we actually talked about it the other day in, in the boardroom that, you know, when it comes to our core, why we are the best, those are the things that we need to make sure that we keep on being ahead of our competition. So we shouldn't just add new more features. Instead, we need to make sure that we really, why CFOs are choosing us, we need to make sure that they keep on choosing us for that specific reason. It's always, it's always more appealing to launch new things than to improve features that they already have. So we are uh, we're actually going to do more of that now in, in Q1 as well. So, but yeah, I, this year we probably did more new things. At some stage, that's fine. But it's also interesting to hear like what kind of prioritizations you made there. Um, so, so another thing there, because like when you had all those calls, like did you do anything specific? Because, you know, it's really great. You have the insight and information, but I think a big challenge as well is like, you gather that information. How do you kind of distribute that out to the product team, to sales, marketing, customer success, and like making sure that all this information about their pain points that make people align around that? Because I think that's another thing that's really challenging. And a lot of companies struggle with is that kind of getting everything on the same page. Like, so did you have any kind of strategies or things you did there to actually... I think, of course, it was a quite an internal statement when I'm putting... You know, I put almost one and a half days a week just cold calling customers. I mean, of course, I, you know, maybe, I, you know, you can have an opinion that I should have put my time elsewhere. But I think that made a statement that we put this time to do this actually quite, you know, not so fun work. But we did this to really understand our customers more, our ICP. And then on the other hand, when it was tougher now during the spring, we really made sure to listen to what our salespeople said about the inbounding leads that were there or people that were, you know, close to churning or people that we were, were 
converting? What, what's happening? Or why didn't we convert? Why aren't we converting? What can we do that? And then we're trying to not come with the solutions, but still try to see it as a team effort. What more can we do together to actually solve this? So kind of drill down and really listen to customers. And we also we joined a lot of sales calls during this period as well. So it was a, a lot more that we were listening to the customers ourselves, our current customer base. But we were also listening more to the people that actually talk to our customers or new potential customers every day and trying to get them to come up with solutions as well, which was what is what we acted on as well. Yeah, no, because like that kind of, yeah, the frontline feedback. But I, w- I would say like what you mentioned there with like actually spending time talking to to customers and like actually cold calling, I think it's quite cool. Like, because as you said, it's it's not like no no one likes to, like maybe someone likes cold calling, but yeah, no one really few, likes it. No, but it's I, very tough. <laughs> I think everyone should try it once or yeah. like in their life. I, actually you know, you know what, it's actually stuff, an art but, form. Like in the beginning, I wasn't able to come through to anyone and then a little bit more, a little bit more. And at the end, my it, it's like your tone of voice changes and you know how to kind of act to get through. So at the end, I was getting through 80, 85% of the time. So once you get a little bit better of it, once you kind of, uh, yeah, you know, it's practice like everything else, right? But that was a quite interesting thing because in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, what is this? Why, why am I doing this? And then after a while, it felt like no problem. I can, I can get through and talk to almost everyone. Yeah, no, I remember my first kind of uh, HubSpot back in the days. And I like, you know, I think it was mainly because my voice was shaking so much <laughs> in my offline <laughs> call. So it's like, um, so I think that was my big problem. So when my, when my voice started to shake and I started to be able to actively listen to people and not just being afraid to be able to say something and not sound like an idiot, <laughs> but actually focus more on the kind of, um, again, the kind of actually trying to understand the customer. I think like, that kind of initiative, like in any shape or form, like just trying to actually understand like what kind of problems are we solving for our customers and how can we make that person, uh, I, I read somewhere, I don't know who said it, but like, uh, you know, you sell a career, not a f- tool or something like mm, that. Because yeah, of course, how, how CFO, can you make this person shine yeah. uh, internally and become better at their jobs? Yeah. And that's something like I, we, we are really positioning that a lot now is kind of like always thinking about that and always thinking about like the customer first to an annoying point. But I think like if you can really get into your customer's heads and doing different things there. And you, I think some, another thing you need to think about is that this person you're selling to is probably part of the management team, no matter what kind of software you're selling. And that person still needs to go to the CEO if, if you're not selling to the directly the CEO and make a case why you should buy this. So you need to make those arguments very easy and crystal clear for, for the CEO to be like, of course, it's a no-brainer. Of course, we should buy this because it will save us time, money, more efficient. Or So I think that that's one of the key things as well. You need to help who's ever going to convince the CEO why this is a good, good purchase or investment for the company in terms of uh, money, but also time. Yeah, no, and like... No one want to look stupid in the end. Like you position a tool and you know, we are changing a financial tool here and all of a sudden the numbers are wrong. So of course, I I would imagine it's not something that you kind of just do for fun. Like it's you have a very specific problem that you need to have solved. So how do you pick the, you mentioned it with like three or like something like that, or like how do you kind of, like you mentioned the five, like the five out of five problems. Like how, But how do you go about to decide how many to focus on and like what was the kind of process around that? Oh, I know it was a year ago. Yeah, but, uh. no, no, no. I mean, it, it kind of wasn't. Of course, of course, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing yeah. thing. And I think um, 
I kind of looked back on this year and I said it was it's been a tough year, but I, I I've learned so much this year because you know once once things are not going as well as you wanted to, you need to kind of re you need to question everything you're doing and make sure you, you're actually doing it in an effective way. You cannot just say that of course the business environment is tough. Uh, so of course that's some part of it, but it cannot be the whole truth. And it's People are still buying buying software, so you, you need to find them. And if you if you're solving a problem that's at top of the list for your ICP, you should be able to still sell and convert. But I think you know, as I said, is that the processes we reviewed all the processes. We made sure to collect the right type of data and make sure to track that data accordingly. We were also we stay true to what we think and know that our customers, people that are not our customers and why our customers are actually staying to invest in those features to make those better and launch new things. And I think we as a company, we kind of felt like, you know, this is this is no drill. This is actually happening. We're not going, the companies are going as well as we wanted to. So we need to make sure to put action and focus on this together to really align the whole company to put effort into this. And I think those were the, the key things to really turn this around. But also I think it felt once the three people management team, including me, was putting much more time on things that are that were creating value uh, in the near future. I think then that also kind of uh, enforced that. And I think another thing that we did is that as a leader, I think your, your job is to, to create a balance. So when things are going really well, I don't need to, you know, add some, you know, more gasoline to the fire, you know, because they're already, you know, high on their own supply and very good at selling. So they don't need anything. So then I kind of need to take them down. But when it's a tough period, then you need to be more there. You need to support them. You need to show understanding. You need to listen to the problems. You need to show them I cannot maybe solve this problem, but I can solve that problem. Or let's do this together. Or if you cannot shoot, I know you want to make, you know, 10 improvements to the product. But you, we can't. We we don't have that bandwidth. You need to. If you you need to rate, give me three. So it's about you know kind of making you know farre you know like to choose uh, fewer things and really make those very very good and track the progress and then you can really see something something happening as well. Like how do you kind of then like because you mentioned there like a lot of those is kind of still early phases. But how do you kind of work with um, the kind of assessing like the different new things that you launched like how did they kind of resonate with how are people using it like is that automatic is it manual like how do you how do you kind of um, do that part we did some investment also in our own way the way we track how customers are moving but we're still going to do continuous investment in that but uh, one thing that we did launch because when we did this repositioning of our brands it, it was also about how we want to want our brand to be perceived, or our, you know, in 2024, 2025. So we need to start start it with some type of campaign, and that campaign we made that together with a launch of a generative AI uh, launch add-on. So that was a very it was very well received. We did it in September, and it, it was a way to, where we automated generated all the text to a monthly, quarterly uh, report. Where, the, where we kind of sent in uh, KPIs, we sent in the period to be compared with and what type of industry the companies is associated with. We didn't send any type of company information, but we sent this up 
and and back comes you know this is the way your forecast has been has been has been moving according to last year this is the gross margin etc so this was something that really added value to a lot of our customers to be able to see this in in writing it, it saved them time it minimized risk for fault because otherwise they sit and they kind of put in the numbers themselves manually here we did it totally automatically so it's a very good feature for for accounting agencies for group companies that are, that are sending a lot of reports to a lot of stakeholders. So that was a feature that we could talk talk about a lot. It got a lot of attention in the press. And it was something that was very, of course, a lot of uh, fun to demonstrate a product when, you know, the text automatically becomes become produced. And it's it's actually about your, your own numbers as a company. So that was something that kind of, uh, it was a very good uh, timing of a launch to be able to really solve the problems that we found when we interviewed the CFOs. And with our new UI UX, that was one another part. And then we kind of did it together with a campaign where we said, we can make, we can save you time and minimize risk for fault with, with where we're doing this financial reporting for you totally automatically. You know, the numbers are there and now the text is there automatically. So it was a very good combination into launching a problem, launching a feature that was solving the problem that our customers were having. I actually and that know was very that, successful. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would imagine. I actually know that like we are not a, I'm not a CFO, uh, but like I do know that function that you mentioned is like, I would love our financial tools to have that. But it's also quite a big barrier of change, isn't it? Because I'm like, I've tried changing this kind of tool once and we're just a small company, not very complex, but it kind of sucks. So how do you kind of, because we mentioned there a little bit with like helping the CFO, you know, becoming the internal champion and like helping them be kind of position and sell it. So maybe you can like as a final part here, like share a bit on, yeah, how do you go about doing that? Like, because this would be something that is quite difficult. Maybe it, maybe it isn't, but my sense is that it's not that easy to change it all the time. No, it's, it's not, but Again, I think once we talk to the customers and understand where you really get into the core, you know, then we can communicate in that type of way. So we're actually talking about taking away things. We're taking away the way we communicate. We communicate much more clearer and much specific. I mean, not trying to sell in everything we have. We're trying to sell in the thing that makes that probably 90% of the, the people are buying our product for. And then we add uh, from there. So I think that was one part. And if you're talking about just the feature that we launched, the generative AI feature, you know, you could, it was so funny. We went to, uh, I went to an accounting. I was first presenting it the same day uh, at one of the big five accounting agencies. And they were like, oh my God, this is terrifying. This is really weird. Does the text have any type of value statement? And why do you come with recommendation? This is really dangerous. And then the, then in the afternoon, I went to another accounting agency that, and the, the average age at that accounting agency is 28. And they work very, like, they have no CEO. They work very, you know, like independent leadership, et cetera. So they're like 20 people presented there. And they're like, yeah, of course, this is, you know, of course, of course you should have this. We, here we can save, you know, uh, five, 10 minutes per company per month. It's excellent. And I can just review it and make sure that, you know, if I want to add something or take away something, then it's fun. Yeah, it's perfect. Let's go. So it's, it's, I think it's, that feature was very well received. It's very well received across the board, I would say. But adoption rate will probably take longer time with some firms than other. Yeah. No, so, so basically what I'm hearing you saying is really focusing on the problem. Like what, what kind of problem are we trying to solve and not trying to talk about 500 different things and have a demo where you just pitch all the cool stuff you're doing, but rather drilling into 
specific problems, show how you're solving that specific problem for them. And maybe having a little bit of the belts and whistles, but really daring to focus on fewer things, which is super scary. It is super uh, scary. The, yeah. It's like you can't, you can't have 20 focus. Like you can't have 20 key focuses for the year. You can have one. If not, you have a lot of stuff you're doing, but that's super scary. But I think we did both of the, when we did the interview, the CFOs, and then during the, during the spring, we did this online survey in our system where we got very good response. And a few questions was, was why did you choose our product in the first place? And then we kind of rate and you need to rate. And then uh, what feature in the system do you appreciate the most? So based on those answers, it was also very easy then because it kind of it went hand in hand with, with our findings to really pinpoint the one features feature that our customers are choosing us for. And that's actually one of the, the features that we really are at that competitive advantage. Then we talk only about that, nothing else. Yeah. So with that, like you mentioned with the surveys and things like that. That's difficult to get responses. That's my experience in general. Like the biggest challenge with the surveys is, yeah, actually getting someone to, did you have some strategies there to kind of get people to actually want to do it? Or do you just have customers who love filling out? We, we planted a tree for every response. Huh. So that was a very nice, nice thing to do. So you were out there digging or? Exactly. No, <laughs> no, we, we partnered with the, with the company to do it. So I think it was a good thing. It takes a few minutes from, from the audience. And this is something that I, I said, what, what would make me respond to something like this? Yeah, if I, if I know that it takes, if I know beforehand, it takes me, you know, two, three, four mani- minutes and a, a tree is planted then, you know, for me, that's a no-brainer. That was an easy way. And also for us, we started like building our own forest. So we invest, we're planting trees in the, in the same area. Uh, so we will continue doing that because we launched a, uh, one of the other features that we launched a few weeks ago was um, sustainability analysis. So we did that. So that's kind of part of our, our strategy in trying to make the world a little bit better place as well. Ah, that's cool. No, I, I don't think I've ever gotten a survey that offers you plant a tree. I think I got some Amazon vouchers and most of just hope that you're going to do it. Uh, and then sometimes you get the one question that then you know, if I click yes here, I'm going to get the 20 page massive form that they exactly. didn't tell me about because exactly. it was just one minute. Yeah, yeah. No, this was, um, you know, this was informing before how many minutes it was going to take and that mm. we're going to plant a tree. Yeah. No, I think it's good. And, and I really like the kind of um, combination that you've taken here with like the actual, you know, qualitative calling and actually not just letting someone else do it, but doing it yourself. I think that's a really cool approach. And I guess that could also lead to some kind of awareness campaigns last lead generation because you're actually talking to people about a problem and then you can say, hey, we actually solve your problem now. Exactly. Um, exactly. And combining that with actual service and things like that. So you're just kind of trying to hit all the different points and just kind of aggregating that. I think that's a really, it's a really good approach. Uh, and, and even the, like, did, did you have that in mind, by the way, when you start with that outreach, that it was supposed to be a little bit of kind of lead gen as well? Uh, I guess that was a partly. Yeah. I mean, of course, this consultant business has done this before and it, they say it's going to be, of course, it, it will be the basis for your future product development. And I think, with our software, you can go so many different different ways. And you know, my job—I'm not doing that doing that very very good all the all the time. But you know, you get distracted, and something else comes, and the big partner wants this, and then you kind of start developing that. And you kind of need to make sure that you stay true to your core and why you're doing this. So it was it was very important for us to understand 
where we're going, how I want our software to look or to be at the end of 2025, 2026. And then this job needed to be done. So, yeah, I'm really happy I did it because it made me much more confident in who we are. And it was much more easier to, I think, as you're saying, to take the new data in when it was going, when times were tougher, to understand quicker what we're doing wrong and where we need to put our focus at. Yeah, I feel like you did 120 or like you guys did 120 calls there. I, I got to do a few because I like it for some reason, like making those calls is, is really difficult uh, to start. Yeah, it's definitely something that also we need to do, even if even if you know you should do it. Uh, it's just uh, you need to put some time time aside because it's easier easier to get distracted. So you need to really lock in. And another thing I did now during the fall is that I started asking our biggest customers out for lunch. So that's been very interesting for me as well to have lunch with them. And I, I'm actually going to have lunch next week with a customer that actually churned. But so he said, you know, I churned. I'm not sure. Do you want do you want to have lunch with me? It's like, yeah, that's that's actually one of the main reasons I want to have lunch with you because I need to understand. If you left, why did you leave? What made you leave? And how can we address those issues, even though you are, maybe you will not come back or maybe you will. So um, yeah, taking that approach will make you move faster and probably increase the amount of correct decisions you make. Yeah, it's tougher to ask about churns. As, yeah. But I think that, yeah, as you said, like it's at least as important as like asking why someone bought, like asking why did someone end up not using the tool anymore? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. It's... um. I know that's also another thing that it's a little bit scary sometimes to actually send out surveys and actually get feedback and read the feedback and stuff like that. But definitely something that uh, everyone should be doing in some shape or form. And most companies probably should be doing more than what they're doing. Yeah. Anyway, like let's actually um, like just end with a little final question here. And uh, then I think we're going to wrap up for today. It was really interesting uh, conversation here. I think we went a little bit different versus what we, uh, what we talked about before, but still, I think I, I, I think it was super interesting. So I really appreciate that. So to wrap up the conversation, like, so um, a bit more philosophical question. So um, if you could share kind of one kind of key learning or insight that has really changed your um, perspective on business and or life. So one or both. I, I think this is something that I was fortunate enough to be uh, that happened to me early in my career. I used to work in the telecoms industry. I worked for Samsung at the, at the moment, and I was 24, maybe, I don't know, 24, 25, and I was working extremely hard, and I was very close to kind of hitting the wall. I was feeling quite bad, had anxiety, trouble sleeping, etc. And then I talked to the, uh, or the vice CEO some, that I was quite close to, and he kind of took me apart, and he said, you know, because at that point, you or I was at least quite immature and I was working really hard. And I thought, you know, if I don't do this, then something very bad will happen. I was, I was taking a lot of responsibility. And he said, you need to see this company as a big vessel and you're just one screw in this vessel. You know, we are particularly fond of this one screw. But if this screw uh, will not function anymore, we will replace it, put another screw in and we will not think about it for another day. And that was just, you know, it was shocked to me. I was like, oh my God, but you know, I'm so special, like, you know, but it, you know, it was, it was something that was, I learned that early saying that, you know, you need to take care of yourself and a company is still, it's a, you know, I'm not working for nonprofit companies and I'm working for companies making money and doing these things. So I kind of learned that early to make sure that I take care of myself because 
you know, normally a company will not, you know, take care of your, your health, right? Of course, maybe the it's, times are a bit better now. And I try to have that approach to be, to take care of, a, to have a 360 degree, to have a nice work-life balance and to make sure to support all employees. But so I kind of learned that early and that made me take care of myself and have a kind of a distant approach to, I always worked hard and I always will work hard, but I always, I also prioritize my health, taking care of me, myself, my family, and those relationships, and also my my own health uh, mentally and physically. So, I think that was that's a, that was a key learning that I'm fortunate that I learned early, and that you actually took it in because sometimes you because that's kind of a I guess like a little oh, yeah. not not a slap in the face, but no, it's but, very direct. Yeah. and some people would be responding more kind of oh, what are you talking about, and be more like oh, they don't care, no one cares, I'm just going to not care at all. Yeah. Uh, but actually actually taking the feedback in a good way, which is always not always that easy either. So that's also... No, I was a bit offended at first. I was like, what? Yeah, no, that's the <laughs> thing. But actually being able to take that and say like, yeah, of course, like you, but if you are able to kind of reflect over it and think like there is actually some truth behind this, that yeah. if you don't function, like it's not good for you, it's not good yeah. for anyone. So it's definitely something that comes with, yeah, if you're lucky and you're 24 and you have a boss who actually tells you that that's yeah. the case or, yeah, that or direct. you, yeah, yeah. Or, but most, yeah, would probably realize it eventually that, you know, there is, you got to have some kind of a balance, even though I guess if you're more kind of career focused exactly. and you're seeing a leadership, like exactly. you're not going to be very good at doing that. Like the balance is really tough. You, you want to do a lot and you have a lot of ambitions, but I think it's even more important than to actually just realize no one is invisible invincible invisible and everyone is replaceable and (laughs) yeah everything is changing yeah so you need to care including the company exactly exactly the company as well so no one is um cool that was a good little insight there in the end and again thank you so much for taking the time today thank you andreas so yeah have a great uh, rest of your day yeah Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's A Slice of SaaS and a special thanks to Ella Smith for sharing her experiences and insights on navigating the complexities of the SaaS industry with a customer first approach. If Ella's story has sparked ideas and questions, feel free to share your thoughts with a review or connect with us for further discussion. Until next time.